Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I wish I, I wish people could see you dancing then, Matt. Before that, before, before the live stream started. Hello, I'm in, welcome. I'm in a Eurovision mood, mate. Before you do the intro, uh, I want to hurry up and I've got pizza waiting downstairs in Eurovision. So, crack on. Okay, all right. Welcome to Carton Blue. I'm Dan Roberts, and joined by John Tarley and Matt Kendrick. We're here to talk about Aston Villa two, Tottenham Hotspur one, and talking to Eurovision. Villa have got their vision on European football still. <laughs> As your vision is in Liverpool this weekend, Villa head to Liverpool next weekend with European targets still still alive. I mean, it's a lovely position you need to be in, a crowbar, because if you have, I'll yeah. whack you around the head with it. I've, I've tried my best. I've tried my best. Um, yeah, it's nice to still be in a position where Villa are still competing for something at this stage of a season and we're not concerned about relegation, like we've said, you know, in years gone by. Um, we'll go through the game this afternoon. Uh, another great day at Villa Park. Six in a row now at home. Um, if not for Hurricanes, cheating, diving, penalty, whatever you want to call it. And we'll get into that later. Another clean sheet as well would have been lovely. But a win is a win. Come to you first, Matt. You had a nice day. I've had a lovely day, actually. Yeah, I've had, a, had a, in the sunshine as well, isn't it? So it makes me want to have a drink. Um, yeah. But no, it, it, I the fellow who sits next to me at Villa Park, he, he sidled up to me and sat down. He said, you feeling optimistic? I said, no. He said, why? I said, well, John might know these stats better than me, but I said, I can't remember the last time we beat Tottenham at Villa Park. And he was like, well, we need to check that out. And we checked it out. I think, I might be... We don't, I don't know what it is. I think it was, was it New Year's Day 2008? Yeah. That's a long old time ago. Um, yeah. And... Having come into it with my my scepticism, thinking, oh, we, we never beat these at Villa Park, I think it, I thought it was a really, listen, Tottenham were, were, were poor. They, they looked like a, a team devoid of, you know, they, they looked like uh, the team that we, we hear about, that they're a club that's lost its way a little bit. But yeah, that's, that's Newcastle and Villa now at, at Villa Park. Teams in the top eight anyway, top eight, top six. And we've absolutely dominated both of them. Um so yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was uh, another another comprehensive performance um, as, yeah. we, as we march as we march on. Yeah, two thousand eight. The last time we beat Spurs at home. Last time we did the double. I'm pretty sure this is right as well. Was the, the season I was born? Ninety five, ninety six. Me and my dad were saying on the way back. Seventy five, at... didn't you? Seventy five, seventy six. Oh yeah, lovely, nice one. All right. <laughs> No, not 75, 76, 95, 96. And me and my dad were standing on the way back, like my son was born this year, the, the year that we did the double, double over Spurs, 22, 23. So we're not talking about another 28 years before we do the yeah. double over Spurs again. I mean, the my, son was born, my son was born in 2008. So I was like, oh, lovely. There we go. And John was born in 2008 as well. <laughs> um, John, have you had a nice day, mate? Uh, yeah. We saw really each other good. earlier, didn't we? Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Um, Thanks, mate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't that. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, but we sit relatively close, don't we? And I haven't seen mm. you 
I don't think of Villa Park, so it was a bit of a surprise. Um, yeah, really good day. Six wins in a row at home now. Back on level points with Spurs. Two games remaining. I feel, although European football isn't in our hands, like literally, I kind of feel like it is in a way because as we'll get on to, like Brighton have got some really tif- uh, difficult games. I think we could probably still finish above Spurs, even though we are playing Liverpool away next, which is difficult. But yeah, um, today, to be honest, I always thought we were going to win. In a, in a weird way, like I never have too much confidence coming into Villa games, but this was always a game where I thought we'd win and I thought we'd start well, which we did. We, um, I think it was like the eighth minute that we scored a goal, I think. Uh, it was just about getting that second goal, which has been the case in a few of our games, but more often than not, we've done it and today we did it as well. We never looked really under pressure or we were always in control of the game, which is sort of the key element of what Emery wants to do. And to be honest, Tottenham looked like a team who were never going to have control in the game. I know, weirdly, they finished with more possession than us, but I think that was just because we were trying to soak it up in the last half an hour, which we did well because obviously we got the second goal. Um, but yeah, I think they had like Ollie Skip and Hoiberg in midfield compared to we had like, a, you know, McGinn, Louise. We were so um, sort of rampant over them and dominant with the ball and we used it so well too. So, yeah, really good afternoon. It's a shame in a way that it was, not that we're asking for too much, but only 2-1. I think that almost flattered Spurs in a way. I think we could have gone 2 or 3 up yeah. first half if we made a few more chances and obviously took them. But three points was all that mattered and we got it. So, yeah, all good. Bit of a left field question, something that we don't normally do. You see a lot of like combined 11s these days as like a, a talking point, and maybe it's something we could maybe do going forward next season. Maybe if I look at both sides in a, a little bit more detail. And this is a very kind of easy analysis, and maybe if I did a bit more research, I'll change my answer here. But genuinely, I'd only take Kane and Son from Spurs at Villa. I wouldn't swap any of the other players for us. Is that is that fair? I think it is. that The whole defence, I think, is shocking. Tottenham, genuinely shocking. Romero, I thought, was a good player until today. Oh, until a few months ago, actually. But he, we were speaking off air about He's a good him. player, but he's, he's erratic. He's poor. Like, both goals we scored, you were saying earlier, who took out Watkins um, off air. It was Romero. I don't know how I forgot. Yeah, yeah. That opened up the space for us to score. And if I'm not mistaken, he was the one who gave away the free kick. So, <laughs> yeah, a really poor back line Tottenham have. And the midfielders, to say, the two. I think Hoiberg's a good player. But now you need to partner with someone who's like a Benton core, which to be fair, they didn't have today. Um, but yeah, I'm probably with you on that. And I mean, Son, I don't think it was brilliant today. He was caught offside every five minutes, wasn't he? So. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll bring you in in a second, Matt. But I, I've got a real kind of dislike for Spurs. I don't know where this comes from, really. I just, there's a lot of things I don't like about them. And I know there was, a, there was a point when, again, going back to 2008, I guess, when it's us and, us and Spurs are kind of in and around the top six trying to break into the top four and it's eventually Spurs that do it. Obviously, we all know what happens to Villa. O'Neill leaves and we go on this massive downward spiral. We end up getting relegated. Spurs get to a Champions League final. I think they do that in the year that we get promoted or the year after. Um, or the year before, sorry, when we lose... To, no, I think it's the year we lost to Fulham. They had, Liverpool were in it, weren't they? And then in the following the year, Liverpool were in it again and we were in the playoff final again. So it was the second season. So the year we came up, Spurs were in a Champions League final. Since we've been in the Premier League the last couple of years, I think we've overtaken Spurs now. And I think, we, I think again, predicting ahead next season, I think Villa will finish above Spurs, possibly this season, most definitely next season. Um, if it wasn't for Kane and Son and this big shiny stadium, that'd be 12th or 13th. Their big, their big London games would be Crystal Palace and Fulham, not Arsenal and Chelsea. 
Spurs are a Spurs are a poor club. I just, I, I just don't, I just don't like them. You just trying to trigger a new fan base to get get us more 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 views. No, I'm, I'm all for that. I just don't, I just don't like them. Like I think, again, I think the thing with Spurs is they act. I don't like the badge either. I think it's almost like Spurs. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Spurs and the London media have colluded to make to install Spurs as this big club without them ever, yeah. or certainly in modern times, delivering. On that basically, listen. They've been to more. They flirted with it closer than we have in the in the last ten or fifteen years. But for the meltdown to be as severe as it should be, Spurs are probably on par with where they should be at the moment. In mm. you know, kind of where around the table, they like sixth, sixth and seventh between us is at the moment. Yeah. So I think it's just this building it up into listen. We know they're a club in crisis. They're not. We know they're not doing well, and they know they've flirted with the with the top four several times, but. They're not all that, to be honest. Think my, my personal. I don't turn this into a Spurs hating podcast. Uh, nah, do it. Let's have it. We got enough Villa loving to do. My personal thing is probably a little bit of bitterness from when we did have those fine lines. When yeah. obviously Man City were able to flex their financial muscles and and and, and beat us to the beat us to the punch in in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. That time, but Spurs kind of crept up above us as well, and that was kind of neck and neck. And if we'd have taken the advantage then, we wouldn't have had to play ten years. Ten years of playing catch up, effectively. Yeah, so fair. I think it'd be interesting to see what 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 happens. I think Villa and Spurs probably are two similar size clubs in terms of scale. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really that fussed about them today because I think we did we did a really really comprehensive job on them. Yeah, and also kind of if you were looking at more long term, would you rather again? This is a Villa podcast. I know what you're going to say, but would you rather be in Villa's position or Spurs's? You know, the game kicks off and it's we want Levy out. It's like there's a club who've got Ryan Mason in charge and don't know where they're heading with the manager. I sacked whatever sporting director they had. They want the ownership out. They've not even probably bothered about finishing in the, in the Conference League. Whereas for us, it'd be this big achievement. You know, we're a club that's doing the right thing. Spurs are Spurs are a mess. So let's let's kind of put the Spurs hatred to one bit to, to one side for the moment. Though when we maybe resurface the chat about Harry Kane later on, that might come out again a little bit. Harry Kane, man, oh, joke. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about Villa then. How good is John McGinn? One of you. Go on, John. You go first. He shares your name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tremendous. To be fair, I think today I was coming out of the game and speaking to my mate, and I thought I don't, I couldn't, I don't know. Maybe it sounds a bit harsh, but I didn't think anyone was particularly like eight or nine. Whereas usually previous, apart from McGinn, by the way, but previously would always have like yeah, no, like Mings, like the whole lot of them would be like nines out of tens, pretty much. But today I didn't think we were. You know, by all means, the best. That's not the best game we've ever played. Like it wasn't Newcastle, I don't think. Well, we think I think we played well, but I think McGinn was his performance was key to what he sort of, sort of you know set the tempo. I suppose you'd say yeah. um, that was just sort of a pure John McGinn performance, and it's what we needed today. I think again, I don't not that we were sluggish or anything like that. I just don't think we were nine out of ten, which is fine because we're not going to do that every week. I'm, I'm not being um, you know, sort of, but. Yeah, I think John McGinn, yeah, def- definitely my man of match. Um, top performance again, and those are, that's what you need in the final sort of knocking to the season. You need some players to step up. And again, we're not going to have every player playing at nines out of tens every week, but John McGinn seems to still be doing that. So, yeah, full mm. credit to him. And he was playing in a different role again today in terms of that deeper position. I know he's been playing in that quite recently, but obviously when Emery first came in, he was playing more advanced. Now he's, I know he switched mm. in the second half late on. Um, but yeah, he's showing that he can do it in different positions and he's 
he's sort of indispensable, isn't he, in in the team? So whoever we sign in the summer, you almost think, well, John McGinn isn't going anywhere in that starting eleven, um, and rightly so because he just he just sets the tempo, as I say. So yeah, really good performance from him again. It's mad, isn't it, really? The video that you made at a hockey social club, I don't know, whenever that was, and we were sat on that sofa and it was kind of like the players who were on the cusp of maybe leaving that, and now the first names on the team sheet. I said in that video that Tori Mings probably exemplifies that more than anybody, but it's possibly John McGinn, to be honest. What what had happened to his game under Steven Gerrard was a travesty, really, in, in hindsight of what we've seen from John McGinn over the last three or four months. You know, captain under pressure, played out of position, really kind of struggling to now being a man of the match performance in a big, big win at Villa Park against Spurs. Matt, have you ever seen a footballer use their bum as well as John McGinn does? Well, I have, but I don't want to talk about that on air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. The thing about McGinn, and I will take your specific point about his bum in a minute, but the thing about McGinn, he, it's a credit to him that he can do a very good job in those wide areas. But mm. to me, Seeing him in that engine room when he's when he's like that, when he's like this kind of whirling dervish and he's got that kind of energy, I think it's brilliant. And I actually think that today, listen, Tottenham, we've spoken about Tottenham, and I don't think they particularly pressed us well. I think I think we we're able to get maneuver the ball out of defence and move it up the pitch more quickly than we've done in, in yeah. previous home matches for me. But McGinn, because he'll take it in tight areas and he'll drop his shoulder, and you know. I think he's kind of bodied or, 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 or sidestepped Harry, Harry Kane on the, but pretty much the edge of his own box. And Kane's yeah. kind of surprised the ref didn't give a penalty for it, to be honest, because Kane, <laughs> Kane's, Kane's fallen. But then he opens up. But not only can he do that, he can manoeuvre the ball to, to get it into space. His decisions are normally pretty good. To be honest, mm. he's going to give the ball away occasionally, but he's the, the the choices he makes on the ball to, to get Villa moving are normally very good. So I thought he was by by far and away. Villa's man of the match today. Um, and the fact of the matter is, he is able to body players who are probably, you know, a foot taller than him. Um, you know, the Dan Byrne one against Newcastle is the biggest example, isn't it? Well, yeah. There's a massive size difference. And he, he backs himself, you know, whether it's the, mm. the Scottish thing in him or what, but he's, the, you know, so we know he can use his, we know he can use his backside to good effect, but there's a lot more to, to John McGinn than that. Um, I like him in that area. I think I think that probably tells more about what we're lacking. When when we have to move him out wide, that probably tells more about what we're lacking in those areas. I would put him in the middle of the park because I think he's key to the way that, that Emery wants to play. Yeah, I agree. And you kind of look at that midfield of McGinn and Louise as a two and think, where does Bubakar Kamara get back into that? Who is, you know, if we were saying that at the start of the season, he was the outstanding candidate in midfield and you, you now wonder where he gets back into it. I'm probably kind of... My question to you about his bum is is it kind of in jest really? I'm kind of doing him doing him a disservice as a footballer to just say, you know, he's good at, at moving players around and, and putting his backside in the way. He's a very good footballer as well, which probably goes under the radar a little bit. But like you said, John, setting the turn with kind of work rate and energy. Yeah. Come on there from Adam. I was about to say, is it the best two point five million villa have ever ever spent? Like pound for pound signing, John McGinn has got to be up there as one of the best signings we've made in in my lifetime at least. Anyway, I've Premier League era, maybe. I mean, Matt, you might be able to advise differently, but for the price we paid as a, effectively coming in as a championship midfielder, so now be doing what he's doing under Emery in the Premier League, there might have been questions about is McGinn good enough to make the step up to be a bottom half Premier League player, excuse the pun, but to be doing it for a side that's chasing Europe, that's that very good. Pun, yeah, it's a bum pun, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, 
he's golden, isn't he? To be honest, and you know, I've always liked that Steve Bruce fella who signed him. Got a got a <laughs> got a lot of time for him. Um, I think to me, I think footballers. I think we probably wrote him off on this podcast amongst you know we we yeah. thought we, we thought he was a spent force and to me it just shows I like people who can come through adversity and 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 then actually I think he's got even better as a result of it and whether that's Emery's coaching whether the system has, has opened things up for him um, so yeah I can't put me on the spot if in terms of bargains I'm sure Villa have, Villa have um, signed lots of bargains down the years but. I don't know. We've fallen into the trap of this before. How much would he be worth now? I don't know. Fifty million quid. I don't know. Mm, I don't know whether I'll go that far. We start talking him up. Is the time that he's he's form dips again. So <laughs> I, let's just say he's a pretty good two point five million pound midfielder. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add on that, John? Before we move on. Uh, yeah, I think he is probably worth fifty million quid. Like, I just think it's a bit unconventional how he does it. But ultimately, what Premier League midfielder wants to play against John McGinn? Probably none of them. I think mm. Mateo Kovacic, Kovacic for Chelsea said that he's the hardest um, opponent he's played against, and you can see it today. Like Harry Kane, as you say, like face planted just because he turned his bum. Like it's so unconventional, but it gets the job done, doesn't it? So yeah. Um, in terms of the biggest sort of bargain Villa have had, two point five million, as we all know, would have been. You know, a lot more money 40 years ago, should we say. But in terms of when did we sign him? 2018, I think. Summer of 2018. That For that money, yeah, it has to be. If not, it probably is the biggest bargain that we've had. I know we've signed players on free transfers, but then you're paying them a bigger wage, aren't you? Or there's a sort of, you know, a, a signing on fee or whatever it may be. For, but sign John McGinn in the championship, yeah, has to be. I mean, when he first joined, he was a Premier League player there already for me. It was just he had that injury. Um, in the mm. first couple months of the Premier League season when we got promoted against Southampton, I think, and then sort of rushed yeah. the uh, lockdown period. Then he was playing deeper and he didn't, you know, tracking right backs and stuff under Steven Gerrard. But now he can finally be that sort of swashbuckling player that we all know he can be. And yeah, he's uh, potentially player of the season, would you say? I mean, we'll, that's probably one front of the video. But I think there's a few candidates, but he's certainly up there. And if he's the one that drags us into Europe, that's like a another huge tick in his box for that. Surely. Mm, he'd certainly be a contender. I don't think he'd be my pick, but like you said, I think that's probably a, a topic for another video, to be honest. I think Adam um, Roy, just giving a shout to David Platt, obviously would have been one who arrived at a yeah. time when, when when Villa were second tier and, and, and played played a part in getting us getting us back mm. up there. Um, different kind of player, obviously, but yeah, it's a good shout. I don't know about McGinn for player of the year, to be honest. I think he missed a big chunk of the season in terms of either his form dipping or mm. just not you know, not been in the team for team for a while. Uh, I think you've probably got shouts above him. You know, perhaps Mings and Watkins at, at either end of the either end of the pitch. Um, but definitely, you know, the way he's come into his own in the last couple of months is a, is a credit to him. I mean, even the bloke alongside him, Douglas Ruiz, is probably would probably be a lot of people's picks for player of the season. Again, a very very good footballer and one that again we kind of go around in circles here and mention the same things we've spoken about before. He's probably someone that. We've written off on this podcast, maybe not this season, but kind of doubted his ability to to maybe step up to a side that wants to be chasing for Europe. And I know for a fact other Villa fans would have questioned Douglas Weir's over the years as well. He looks undroppable now and a massive part of, of Emery's side going forward. His tweet after the game, I think Ash, uh, his, I don't think it was his tweet, it must have been a, a, an interview, kind of how much he loves it at Villa and how glad he is that he stayed. And we want to get into the Europa League, he said. So... 
they want to win both games basically because that's the only chance we've got of a top six finish I'd imagine but he's a he's a massive part isn't he John Doug Sawyer and we spoke about him a few weeks ago in my house here but yeah huge huge player for us yeah definitely we might not have been (laughs) been this sort of uh, we might not have praised him so much if that pass that he made I think (laughs) Harry Kane had the one-on-one didn't he that he missed Um, yeah we all know how fundamentally is to the team and there was always that sort of oh maybe Kamara makes him look better I don't know if that was quite the narrative but it was something along those lines and Mm. uh, Luis has stepped up and proven that he can be as good uh, you know for the team in terms of sort of not necessarily carrying a midfield but playing that key role that not many other players could do Uh, and again that's credit to Emery when he first came into the club and said okay well these are the players that I've got how do I get the best out of them and what are the best roles for each player and this is almost the perfect role for Louise. Like we, we, we sort of go back and forth with the B. It was like uh, six and some uh, under Smith and, and uh, Gerard for a bit. And then Gerard tried to push him into an eight. And it was like, oh, well, this system just doesn't work. And now he's sort of found the perfect um, position for himself. So, yeah, he's fundamental to how we want to play. And, yeah, he's, he's a top player. One that is now on another big contract. Mm-hmm. One that's going to have a huge price. Yeah, he's, is he 24? So really good age. He'll be a Brazilian. Inter- well, he's a Brazilian international. He'll get a call up soon as well. Again, so yeah, another um, key cog for us. Yeah, 25 is now his birthday. Was only a few days ago, but again, yeah, not even in his prime effectively. And yeah. scores a cracking free kick today, Matt. Nice that was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fella sitting next to me again. Was it right that when Luca Dean scored his free kick against Man United, it was the first time we'd scored directly from a free kick for however many years? For lot, yes, lots of years. sounds about right. That must have been the second. That must have been the second time we scored. We haven't scored one since then, have we? I don't think. I don't. I don't think so. I said to my dad at the time, like, "Oh, this is a, this is a decent position here." But Luca Dean scored the last one, didn't he? I think I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, I thought he was going to blaze it. I thought he was going to blaze it high in the hole. <laughs> to be honest, and. Uh, Almost like Fraser, Fraser Forster's misguided mind games to me because he offered him all that part of the goal thinking, go on, put it in there, I'll get across. You got across, but only got half a hand on it. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it, was a, it was a great strike and it came at just the right time. I thought we got a little bit sloppy um, middle of the mm. second half. I thought, you know, we, you just talked about having about the chance that we gifted to, to Harry Kane. I don't think Bert, Spurs were, were capable of laying a glove on us in their own, on their own. Uh, yeah, just that second goal, isn't it? I know it's a cliche, but any Premier League team will get a chance and could score a goal. So the fact that we were able to kill off the game and, and, and see the game out despite the late penalty, uh, but no, it was a it was a great strike. He's just he's just so laid back, isn't he? He's just so mm. he's just so chilled. Sometimes I think, come on, move it a bit faster. Uh, and that was probably a criticism when he first joined, kind yeah. of being a little, little bit lackadaisical and you know trying back heels on the edge of his own box and things like that, where he's kind of eradicated the almost silliness from his game but still has that like cockiness swagger kind of um, yeah. whatever word you describe him as he did a lovely back heel didn't he I think when I think we went 2-0 up and he did a lovely back heel to I don't know who it was mm. to but his little roll back which is really nice yeah top player um, before Dean's free kick by the way was Ben Teki versus QPR apparently so that would have been what 2013 14 something like that so yeah well, first years. direct free kick not basically 10 years <laughs> mad isn't it um I, th- I suppose that's probably Premier League. I'm sure Conor Harahan would have scored free kicks in the Championship, unless my mind is... He did score one. Else. Harahan did score, I say, a free kick. Oh, right. 
but he, he was indirect mm. against Newcastle when we beat him like 2 0 in 2019. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 remember that. Yeah, but I think yeah. someone would get it off to win, so it doesn't count, but probably should. Yeah, that won't, that won't technically count, would it? I guess. Um, before we started, I had a, c- a couple of minutes to just jot down some quick notes, so we kind of had a bit of a structure so we didn't run over too much. And I'll just put elite Emery ball. I don't really know what point I'm trying to make here, but I suppose it's almost like I felt watching Spurs, it was like trying to watch a club that would love to do what Villa have done in a weird way that they were trying to play this way out, play out, play out from the back under Ryan Mason, which isn't going to last at all with Fraser Forster, almost a bit Paul Lambert, if anything, splitting the centre halves out to the edge of the area and trying to force it out of nothing. And every time they tried to play out from the back, within 10 seconds, the ball was probably back in Villa's possession because they inevitably had to go long because they couldn't do the the stuff that Villa can do. And Villa won the ball back and it was we were on them again. And it was almost like what they were trying to do to benefit themselves was benefiting Aston Villa because they couldn't do it very well. Villa, on the other hand, go from back to front in about 10 seconds. Like the, the trans- My overall point probably here is that the transformation that we've had under Emery, forget what we were like under Gerrard, even Emery's first game to now, the fact that the players have picked up what they have, and I think Ming said in an interview this week that you think you know how you how Emery wants you to play, and then he'll kind of drip feed you another bit of nugget of information, and you've got to adapt and, and try something else new. So if they're still learning now, and we're already this good, you kind of have this excitement about if Emery's going to be here for two, three, four, five years, what are we going to look like in that time? Do you share that excitement, Matt? Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a remarkable transformation, and those footballers were all good footballers before Emery came in. But what he's done, he's just got them organised. Has got them a got system. I think one of his biggest successes, and I was chatting. We've mentioned this on the podcast before. I was chatting this to to my mate on the on the way back today about the thing about atmosphere. I thought at times the atmosphere, the, the noise was really loud today. But one of the biggest things is we don't mind that backward pass now because we, we've we been conditioned to know yeah. that keeping the ball and manoeuvring the ball so that we've got options is preferable to us going forward quickly and losing the ball. And it sounds so basic, doesn't it? It sounds really, really basic. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're English football fans built in a way of kind of cut and thrust kind of, you know, kind of quick, direct, direct football. And I think... The fact that he's not only convinced his players to be brave enough to play that, but convinced us to be brave enough to let his players play that. Hmm. And this is only six months' work, you know, six or seven six or seven months' work. And we've said before so many times that, what, a coach who can actually coach rather than automatically thinking, I'm a checkbook manager. And listen, I'm sure the checkbook will be open and I'm sure we'll, we'll recruit better players to improve the squad further. But to actually take what you've got and not just have this honeymoon period and this new boss factor, but to build mm. something sustainable. I don't think, you know, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you two. I don't think I've seen a, a transformation like this from the Villa team in my lifetime. It's, it's interesting you, you kind of mentioned the, the transformation, really, because obviously we're doing Claret Blue Live 2 at the, the start of June. Tickets are available, by the way, but they're free, and there's a link in the description if you want to come and see us chat about the season. And it'd be great to be talking about European qualification as well. I went back to listen to part one in the week to kind of see what we were saying when Emery first took over to compare and contrast for like, for me to make notes for the end of the season. And we were talking, obviously, we'd beaten Brighton and Man United and lost Man United in the, the League Cup before we did that podcast. And John, you went deep on Emery and we're giving it the big one. And I kind of said, oh, you're going to look a bit silly if this doesn't work. Um, 
which obviously, yeah, great for you. And you said, Matt, something like, I think, John, you said something like, oh, we're only three points off Europe or something. And Matt, you were like, calm down. Like, don't be silly. Like, you know, it's never going to happen kind of thing. Um, but you you said oh, in that way, <laughs> you, you said something like, um, let's just hope this isn't a new manager. Let's hope this isn't just a new manager bounce of, of two or three games and let's see where we are in six months. Or, you know, where's that effect? So, how, again, I'll probably ask you this at the end of the season as well. How do you feel about the transformation that you've seen in that six months? I know you've just said that it's kind of, they were good players before, but can you quite believe what's happened or what could still happen? Not really. Not really. I mean, I, I'll be honest, and, and, and John's a bigger student to the game than I, I am, and I knew bits about Emery's track record and his, and his you know, his, his backstory. But I didn't know... <laughs> I knew we were we were gonna have debate can't whether it was an elite manager and what what constitutes an elite manager. I knew he came with a, a good reputation, but I thought Villa was too much of a I wouldn't say a mess, because I don't think he was a mess, but I thought it was too much to instill a new philosophy in mid season. Hmm. Um yeah. so I was probably a little bit dubious about it, but the more I see what he does for our football club and our football team, and the more I read up and learn about this is almost what his life's been lead. You know, this is his life's work. You know, he's super dedicated. And I don't know whether I've, I'm wondering off, off topic a little bit here, but I went to a, a football writer's dinner at um, in Burlington and Brian Little accepted, I think Brian Little accepted Unai Emery's manager of the, the year, Midlands manager of the year award. And Gary Shaw accepted Ollie Watkins, his Midlands player, player of the year award. It was a bit of a Villa carve up, to be honest. Brian Little was saying this might be probably probably public knowledge anyway. Ash says he's written about it, but saying that Emery's trying to install sleeping facilities mm. or Heath, and I'm just thinking, Christ, that is that is super dedication. You know, the probably managers in the past who would want to install sleeping facilities so they could go on the lash. Uh, but <laughs> such a kind of student of the game and such this dedicated person that even that commute from wherever he's staying, some swanky hotel or apartment that he's got, even that hours commute. He'd rather lose that. <laughs> I'm not saying he can sleep in body more every single day. We'd rather lose that so we can get that extra advantage and that extra edge. Uh, mm. Have a manager with that dedication um, and almost the kind of the thinking power to back it up. I think we've I think we've struck lucky. I really do. Mm. Yeah, we're going to be talking about things here. Now we're at the end of the season that we talk about at the end of season show that we do, but. I firmly believe, and I know, Matt, you say every single year when we do our previews, oh, we're going to win the FA Cup this year. Because if you say it every year and we win it, it's going to look good for you. I genuinely believe if Emery's here for the next five years, we'll have won a trophy in that time. At least one. Because there's, like we've said before, John, there's, and again, we are getting carried away here, but there's no way that you don't see success under Emery. Just because of the way he is. Like, this is such a minor point, and I, I'm probably going to sound mental for even suggesting this. But at 1 1, was it 1 1? No, obviously it was 1 0 before we scored and we brought Kamara and Duran on at the same time. I was watching Emery for just a split second, and we were a bit under pressure, weren't we? A, a little bit. And, and not that Spurs were on the verge of scoring, but it kind of felt like if we don't get the second year, we could be in for a, you know, a tricky half an hour or whatever was left at that point. Yeah, about half an hour. And we shouted down for Duran and Karana to, to get ready, Kamara. And he had like, this look in his eye. 
again, I'm, I'm not like as close as I am to my, my screen here, but I'm, I don't know, from here to the, the end of my garden or whatever. Like, it's not far. It's close enough to see facial expressions and stuff. I've not seen it from the whole end. He had this, like, look in his eye of, like, I don't know, like, like, <laughs> like an absolute loser here, but, like, the eye of the tiger from Rocky. Like, I, I'm <laughs> I'm about to make a change here to win this game. It's how it, it was, like, the vibe. Like, he was deadly serious. Like, he wasn't bothered for that split second about what was happening on the pitch. It was like, now nah, I'm making these subs. I'm, I'm a, like an elite level, I'm a winner kind of mentality. Yeah, I thought this dark expression on his face I've not seen before. And that sounds absolutely mental and probably won't resonate with that, with anybody, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm trying, like, I've got this point in my head that I'm trying to get out and I can't, but he's just like, it's marginal gains, isn't it? It's these minor moments of when am I going to make this sub? Like, it's got to be before that set piece or after that corner or whatever. Like, it's got to be that specific yeah. point and it's this positional tweak or what or whatnot. Like, you just trust him to do whatever because whatever you know what he says, you know, it's going to be right. I can see the Rocky montage now with uh, Emery's <laughs> face and he's kind of like punching against kind of carcasses in abattoir, you know, <laughs> carrying logs and stuff like that. It just, it might be good. Mind you, did, didn't, I, didn't I share a picture? Of, I think I shared a picture of him as a young man, as a young player hmm. on Twitter a couple of months ago and he looks like... <laughs> He's got like a bit a of the Balboa rock. about him, I know. Yeah. He's yeah. I, mean, I mean, Netflix, keep your hands off this because we're going for this. We're going <laughs> to get the kind of Unai Emery as Rocky. Planet Blue exclusive. Just need to crowdfund it. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't kind of like quantify what what I mean by that point. But it just something about him, you just you trust whatever he's going to do is going to be of benefit to Aston Villa. So give him that trust, and success will come. Basically, well, I think it's the exception to the rule that that nice guys can't win to be honest, yeah. because he's a real gentleman, but he's, like you say, he's got that steely determination behind it. Mm. There's a great comment here, which is going to tie in with two non-football-related points I wanted to mention briefly. He had the look of a boxer going for the knockout punch, is a great description of, of kind of that mentality, like, oh, I've got to do something here to, to see this over the line. Yeah. Let's go to the pre-match atmosphere very quickly. Um, there's two things here. <laughs> Funny. The, the, it's good and a bad, actually, for me. The like, pre-match montage you mentioned there, like a Rocky montage, that Villa did like a video on the big screen. I don't know whether you were in for that that point of like where Villa were when Emery took over, a few interviews with him, and then match highlights, and then it had like a little graph of where Villa were on the table and stuff. That was great. That was a really good video. <laughs> the, part, the other part, that was, was strange, but like we've talk, spoken before about the atmosphere and like Villa trying to do different things and the show and all funny. that kind of stuff. The team announcements was... <laughs> Not that was like boxing. It was like our World Cup winner, number one, Emmy Martinez. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Tyrone oh, Mings. I, like... I love Russ who does the announcing, but I said, I thought, go on, go on, drop the F word. Go on, go on, say it. <laughs> well, that'd be a real different way of kind of ra- ramping up the crowd. Yeah, if you yeah. And it, each player had their, their own, like, he's one of our own, number 41, Jacob Ramsey. And it's like, oh, bingo, Connie. I get it. Like I get trying something different and the, the graphics on the screen were different and whatnot. But again, like the boxer analogy that we've mentioned a, a couple of times there, it felt like a boxer. Like they got off like a, a middle name between Tyrone and Mings. He's got to have something. Um, but yeah, trying different things. We have to kind of appreciate that. What we will mention, because that was a bit of a nonsense point, the Project B6 stuff, that was good, wasn't it? The flags and the streamers and stuff. Yeah, that looked really good. Yeah, it looked really good. It's... um. It's something that I think is sort of long overdue. You look like when Sky are at Saint Saint um, Saint James's, and it's like, I think it's war flags that they have as their version of Project B Six, and there's flags everywhere. And it's a really good atmosphere, and that's something that 
I think we could have had years ago, and I know Project Race Six have done some really good work, and I've spoken to one of the organisers in the past few years um, about the good work that they do. So yeah, it was really nice to see it all sort of come together in the whole. And I thought the streamers were really good as well; made it look really mm -hmm. good. Obviously, the noise was brilliant too. Uh, yeah, really good. Anything to add on that, Matt? I wasn't really looking, you know. Were you I, not? No, I arrived a little bit later, so I was catching. I was catching up with me, me dad. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Just chatting about how my dad was. He's doing fine, thanks. Uh, do you there cries where it lies before we get the nonsense stuff about the way and back to football? Yeah, I mean, it, we need our own prize where it lies section, don't we? Uh, but I'm always <laughs> delighted when it's that rather than any rather than kicking the ball into a, the top, top of the, the whole ten net or whatever. They'd move the monster. They'd move the monster energy drink one. They'd change the the position oh, no. of this one. I think that was probably at the request of the, the victim's family who'd won the previous ones <laughs> in, re <laughs> in recent weeks. Um, but what, I think didn't a lot. Russell does the announcing. Didn't he say you should wear studs? Yeah. I think because he slipped over. So somebody always slips over, don't they? I'm thinking well. How do you, when do you know that you're going to do how, how do you get to do it in the first place? And are you going to you're yeah. not going to turn up to the, you're not going to go up the whole 10 steps in studs, are you? And would <laughs> they let in you way up? Would they let <laughs> you in? in you, you've got like studs in you. Try it next week. Probably you like won't be doing prize rate lies. Draw your studs off and stick them in your stock. <laughs> Try going in boots for the last game just to see what happens. Well, they probably think it was like fancy dresses. Going like a far, I'd love you to go in full kit with socks and shin pads and stuff. Be you know the best, um, the best stag do costume I've seen? Somebody dressed up as a Sabutio footballer. Have you ever seen those ones? Oh, yeah. Like uh, full kit and they've got this little base. Um, but anyway, wandering off topic. Yeah, prize where you lies. Nobody won. Move on. Yeah. Funny when they move, when they fall over. Um, right. Back to football then. There's another couple of bits I want to mention because we are running out of time a little bit. The... The linesman, I suppose. I was going to say the referee, but the referee's less culpable than the, the linesman. Uh, hang on, hang quick on. Quick question. I think he should put his flag up for when Son hit the post. I think <laughs> the flag's just gone up. <laughs> wanted to make sure, but it's gone up now. Quick question. When the linesman is on like the whole end side and then the Doug Ellis side, do they stay there for the 90 minutes or do they swap at half-time? Do you know? No, they stay. They stay. So for the whole of the first half... The linesman on the whole end side is for Spurs going forward and flagging late and whatnot. And then the second half, Spurs obviously going the other way, and the linesman does it very early on in the other half as well, who hadn't done it for the entirety of the first half. So I wondered whether it was the same guy had gone over to the other side. But it was like, oh, Spurs are attacking now, so I'm going to do my late flagging. Anything for Villa flagged instantly before there's even a chance for anything to develop. For Spurs, the one specifically is the one where Martinez gets down and saves some Son and then... I think he said, was it Son? Or well, Son hit the post, whatever it was. Save Kane's follow-up, didn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, that whole passage, passage of play could have been avoided if the linesman puts his flag up earlier. This whole kind of rule of we've got to let we've got to let the play go just in case something happens and then you know we can always refer back to VAR if it's wrong. Like I said, when it's Villa, though, it seems to be flag goes up instantly. But I've never seen a decision go Aston Villa's way that I can remember that was so loudly booed as that because we were just so sick to death of this linesman flagging so late and letting Spurs go forward. If Emi Martinez gets injured there, can you imagine like the ramifications of how that affects Villa's season because they've let play go just because we're not sure? Get sure then. I think you know what I mean? Be better official. Oh, we've got to rely on VAR because if we, if we flag and we're wrong, we can't overturn it. We'll get the decisions right then. It's the Premier League, man. 
I think it's it is difficult because if he does flag it and it's called offside, but it wasn't, and the goal doesn't stand, you know, Villa will be the first team; <laughs> they'll be the victims of that. Yeah, I think the only reason why that one was so bizarre because it was a different phase. Like he took around the keeper, hit the post, then put your flag up, and then he left it. Mm-hmm. Kane had a shot, Martinez saved it, and then I think something else happened, and then he put his flag up. So it was like two different passages of play, basically. Um, so that's why I think that one was so bad. But to be honest. I think it's just because our high line was so good. We just kept catching them off, offside and offside and offside. It was like... Yeah, that's than, fine. I, like, I've got, no, got nothing wrong with Villa playing a high line to catch people offside and be good at it. But be the linesman. Like, if, if it's close and you're unsure, yeah, I get it. You let it play out and you refer back. But some of the ones felt he's miles outside yeah. so straight away. Why are, you, why are you waiting to flag? I think it's just because that's, that's the rule and that's what they've been told to do. And I think, you know, it's not a linesman's fault necessarily. But, and it's like, well, it's the... The rule makers' fault. Um, like to be fair, That's like the song goal, song goal, song goal at the end, I wasn't even scared because it was clearly offside, and I don't yeah. score. It was like there wasn't a, a bit of panic in me. I thought, well, he's going to put his flag up, and he did. So, yeah, I, to take the positive out of that though, our, our line was brilliant the whole game because to play mm. that against Son, Richarlison, Kane putting balls over the top. Credit to the um, defenders because I presume every time they were offside. It's just a shame that, yeah, as you say, at some point there will be an injury. And I know that's what everyone's been saying for the last like year. And I don't actually think there has been an injury yet, but at some point there probably will be. And that's when it will be mm-hmm. big for or again. But the linesman has to do it. That's what he's been told to do. It's just on that one where he hit the post, he could have done it <laughs> so much sooner. Yeah, so, I just don't get it. But, but, and the penalty decision is possibly offside as well and again that doesn't get flagged but does get checked by Vervirals as far as I know that's what took so long for it to get sorted again wasn't watching it on TV haven't seen it back I've seen a screenshot which doesn't always tell the, the full story I would have again, checked yeah they'd have, they'd have checked it but the, the penalty I guess let's, let's talk about the penalty quick quick fire before we get into it properly do you think it was a pen John yes or no Um, I'm watching it back as we speak no okay Matt yes or no one word. I didn't think. I didn't think it. Was, I'm going to give you more than one word. I didn't think it was first glance. I thought he got a bit of the ball, Martinez. But the more I look at it back, I have not seen the offside. Whether the came was offside, I've not seen that scrutinised. I think it might have been a penalty. Um, in okay. terms of, I think he's. I think he might have cleared him out. I don't know. I might, might be in the minority there. John penalty? Yes or no? Back as he's won the ball, hasn't he? Come on, VAR. How much time do you want to watch it? Uh, he has taken him, but as what from what I, can, I haven't seen, I know on the match of the day they'll probably scrutinise it, and this will look a bit silly now. But has he not just taken the ball with his arms, and then obviously he's going to take Kane out with it? I, I don't know whether he's touched the ball, has he? I thought I it would depend. I think Kane's, master, Kane's the master of that, you know. But, yeah, but I don't, that's, that's, yeah, that's my problem with it, though. I don't like cool. that. No, but it's part of the game now, isn't it? So you know, I know, but again, I just, I, I just no, don't no, like no, it. No, well, that doesn't make it whether you like no, it or not, okay, so my, if he's manoeuvred his body in a way that he's going to get cla- get, get taken out, yeah. then to me it's it's a penalty. It's it's not great, but it's not. Yeah, I mean, to do that now. If Martinez hasn't touched the ball, it's to me that is a clear penalty. But I can't tell if he's touched it, then it's no penalty. If he hasn't, sorry, if he has, no. What am I saying? If he has touched it, no penalty. And if he hasn't, then it shouldn't. It should be sorry. I, I can't. I don't think. I don't think he did touch the ball. So, are, are the rules, if there's contact, there's penalty? Yes. I just don't like this kind of, like, the narrative of, oh, Harry Kane's a master of it. Like, oh, it's cute when Harry Kane does it. It's clever when Grealish, when when Kane does it. When Fernandez does it, and I don't like him either, it's, oh, he's a cheating scumbag. When Harry Kane does it, because he's, 
the nation's darling. It's our oh, cute Harry Kane. Well done, Harry Kane, for for winning it. It's the same thing he does when he backs into a player and lets them go, go fall over the top of his head. I think when he backs into somebody, he's a master of that. That's part of the game, but it shouldn't be. I don't like that. Again, if it was a Villa player, it'd be totally different, wouldn't it? I'll be going, oh, Watkins, fair play to you. But again, <laughs> Watkins away at, away at Tottenham. Lloris takes him out. Do you remember that one? That, that Villa, that's exactly the same, but it doesn't happen to Villa, does it? Because we're little old Villa and they're big club spurs, top six, blah, blah, blah. They've got to have a decision. They've got to get their offsides flag later. Like, it's just all geared towards... Oh, oh they're the big one of these rants. He I'm makes me so young. I'm just sick of it. And again, yes... Oh, we won't stop moaning, but just those little those moments of isolation of linesman poor, ref poor, and Kane's a cheating diver. There we go. But Dan, if if he hasn't touched the ball there, he has gone through him. Whether but Kane, Kane's, but Kane's gone to win the foul, hasn't he? He's left his legs to be what hit. Else? Martinez shouldn't be in that position though. That's I don't it. know what else Kane could do there because Jump he, over wants it. Get, he wants he wants to get the best no, advantage. But that's he what I mean. That's winning a penalty, isn't I'm not, it? I'm not I'm not an apologist for Harry Kane. But equally, I think the only thing that stops that being a penalty is if Harry Kane is offside. And well, yeah, of course, Martin, Martinez is the one most at fault for me for putting himself in that situation and not getting it right. Than Harry Kane trying to take an obvious advantage where he can get it at a time when Spurs are on their ass and they need whatever they can. I know he'd do that if Spurs were <laughs> top of the league and stuff. Um, it's not nice. It's not nice, but it's it's part of the game now, isn't it? Yeah, I just don't like it. Again, a couple of comments. If that was Jack Grealish playing for Villa, you'd be all over it. And yeah, I probably would. And I'm a massive hypocrite. But when it happens against you, and it's not mattered in the grand scheme of today because we've won the game. But I, I guarantee if we're talking at the end of the season show and we miss out on Europe by goal difference by one, you two will both be pissed off going, yeah, that oh, was Kane hadn't gone down for that. Yeah, that was a killer. That was a killer, the fact that we're so close neck and neck with them and that goal is effectively... Could be the difference. Two goals for them, isn't it? One, one more for them, scored for them, one more conceded for us. So. <laughs> cheating Harry Kane? I mean, he's a great, he's a world-class forward. He's a great striker. He scores goals, blah, 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 but he's also a cheat. Um, anyway. I want to cheat from that. Honestly, I don't like that. You I think know, he's you playing know. for the penalty, isn't he? He's, li- he's, li- he's, he's training legs. No, but what's the alternative then? We'll just let okay. Harry Kane run through on goal. Like the ball is going nowhere, really. I mean, if anything, Martinez maybe should back out and leave it, but he's going to go to try and win the ball. I think Harry Kane can jump over Martinez, is what I'm saying. And not what, to... what would be in it for him? Exactly. It, it's... Gamesmanship and pride and <laughs> <laughs> integrity. Oh, mate. I'm sure. a, I'm a, like I said, when we did the season ticket video, I like to live in a nice world where nice things happen to nice people, but they don't. Um yeah, I just don't I like if, it. if the referees are going to look at them, if the referees are going to look at them and say, "Oh, we're going to judge it on whether the player's left a leg in and bought a foul or whatever," then okay, fair enough. But th- you know they won't. That'll be a penalty 10, 10 times out of ten. I think if Martinez also, hasn't touched it, which I don't think he has. Also, the second side of it, the VAR check again. We're all in the stadium, so it's very different for us. That seemed to last forever. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about it a million times. If it's clear and obvious that the referee's made a mistake, it should be clear and obvious in a couple of replays and 20 seconds. And we go, oh, that was wrong, change it. So he's going to be pulled over to the screen, which you know means he's going to be told to change his mind anyway. Like, are we ever going to get a referee, have the balls to stand by his on-pitch decision and say, oh, actually, no, I still don't think it was like right. They get called over to the, the screen, they're going to overturn it. So all that whole facade of even going to look at it is a waste of everyone's time. It's just You're crap, hungry, Dan. 
You're hungry tonight. I, just, again, I know I'm going to get stick from people going, oh, we've won and he's still moaning, but there's things that have happened that are very frustrating in that game. And if it's costing us Europe, I swear you two will be on my side in a couple of weeks' time. But that's a penalty. I think the rules should be changed then. Yeah, the VAR check was long. I presume half of it was them checking as Martinez touched it and then the other half was, is he offside? Which I've seen a screenshot of it, but I think if you mm. add the line, it'll probably just show that he's onside, I presume. Mm. Okay, let's end with a positive then. The European picture is is still on. Like you said, John, at the start, it's kind of in our hands, even though it isn't. We've got a better Spurs' results, haven't we, basically? Uh, I, I, think know, Brighton, I think it's You reckon Brighton? I think Brighton's more, we're more likely to catch, I say catch them, we're ahead of them. But I'm not sure if we will finish above Spurs because that we'd, let's just say we're going to beat Brighton on the last day because if we're going to get Europe, that has to happen. So, mm. and this is the better Spurs' results. Spurs would then have to, I mean, I don't think we'll get anything at Liverpool, just a personal opinion. So if you add three points to us and then if they beat Brentford, but basically I don't see us finishing with more points than Tottenham and if it's level obviously they're going to have more goal difference so I actually think it's Brighton that are more likely that we catch and I, I think it's doable because they'll beat Salam even with the games in hand yeah the games in hand are Arsenal away Newcastle away on Thursday night which is a trip and then Man City at home if they don't get more than one point out of that and beat Southampton it'll go down to the last day we beat Brighton that's us in seventh so I think that's more likely than us finishing above Spurs because I can't, I can't see Brighton getting more than one point from those three, the Newcastle, City and Arsenal. If they do, then fair enough, but I don't think they will. They'll beat Southampton at home, and that's four points. Add that to what they have now. If we don't get anything to Liverpool on the final day, we'll pick them by a point. I think that's the most likely situation, rather than Spurs losing to Brentford, then drawing against Leeds or something. I think maybe they'll draw against Brentford, but I just don't I don't think we'll have more points than uh, Tottenham come the end of the season. Maybe we do. And if we do, I think we'll finish in sixth, not seventh, because I think we'll finish with Brighton anyway. So... Mm. Uh, Maybe that's a bit too positive. But... How do you assess that running, Matt? I'm coming at this from a really different perspective to most Villa fans because if Villa make Europe, I've got to learn to ride a unicycle <laughs> in the summer. So that's my kind of metaphorical safety net. I think I need a proper physical safety net. Um, <clears throat> probably in a very cliched, let's just play our play our final couple of games and. and and see where it takes it, really. Um, <clears throat> I haven't got the mathematical capabilities to, to worry about too many permutations. I think, mm. I don't agree with John that we necessarily lose at Anfield. I think we can go there and be strong. And I'm not saying we can win, but I think we, we can be strong enough to go and get a point there. I wonder if they, they might start to feel the pressure a little bit, being as their, their top four push suddenly starts to look like it could could be realistic and whether they buckle a little bit. So I think we could... we. We could get a point there, and I don't know it's, who, who the Spurs finish up with. They've got Brentford and who? Leeds away. I don't think any of those are gimmies for the Spurs team that we saw today. I think yeah. they're, I think they're, they're a shambles at the moment. Um, so I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to take maximum points from from the last two games. Um, I know it sounds a little bit kind of lame, but the fact that we've got two games left and this is still. A potential prospect. He's he's brilliant. I'm, I would love us to be fighting for something even higher up the table. But for us to go into the last game of the season fighting for something other than trying to stay in the Premier League mm. is brilliant. So, like I say, say it does sound a bit a little bit lame, but I'm just excited about about the running for the first time. Yeah, probably since we nailed a playoff place. 
it's a it's a great position to be in, isn't it? At, at this stage of the season, in a positive mindset rather than you know looking over our shoulder, thinking, "Oh, Christ, Forest picked up a, a point at Chelsea today. What does that mean for us?" I, ultimately, nothing. Who cares? <laughs> Good for Forest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll end with how I see it. Cause I think John will probably do another. We did like a predictions, didn't we, for the final six games or something? We'll probably do that again now for the final two games and see if our our thoughts have changed. I feel like, and I'm not saying this is going to happen because I don't think it will. It's it's a possibility that Villa could get maximum points. I know that sounds mental because it's Anfield away and Brighton at home and they're both two very good teams. But we're now in a position where, and again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, John, because I know you're laughing. Nice. We're in a position where I feel like we can beat anyone. Like if Emery sits down the players and said, right, if you win these last two games, you get Europe. But like that feels like that could happen. And that's that's been a long time coming that... Even 12 months ago, you'd have gone, Anfield away, no points. Forget it, write it off. Whereas under Emery, yes, that might be the case. We might go there and lose. They could beat us 3-0 and, and push themselves towards the top four even further. Yeah. But it's possible that Villa go there and get at them and play a certain style of football and get something. And that's that's all I'm happy with at this stage. Whether we can go there and do it or not, the fact that we could that's a Villa I want to be supporting, a team that can go anywhere and and feasibly pick up points. Yeah, definitely. I, I think winning at Anfield will be tough, but I'm, I'm with you. We, of course. On, on a day, we could be anyone, potentially apart from Man City away. So, yeah, that's a really positive uh, position to be in. But again, we are looking at slightly at other results, like Brighton, if they were to beat Newcastle, yeah. that's a bit of a bummer because then they've got Southampton. They obviously play the on the last day, but... It's just that that's why I feel like it's in our hands in a way because Brighton's games are so difficult and Tottenham are, as Matt said, a very poor team. So if we can just do our thing, we'll probably get Europe. And mm. seventh, sixth, whatever, if we're in Europe, we're in Europe. And yeah, it's just a shame it has to be Liverpool away next. If it was Palace away or something, you'd be looking at and thinking like, wow, two games, winning both, we're there. So but it's still a really good position to be. And I think Brighton, Brighton at home last game, that's the one. If you win that, there's every chance that we'll get there because, as I say, the team Spurs are and the games Brighton have got. So, yeah, today was just huge, massive game and yeah. just so glad that we got through it. Yeah, it keeps us alive, doesn't it, for another week, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, um, keeps, I'm, and more, yeah. Before we go, can I ask some advice off you guys and off the, <laughs> the, the listeners and, and viewers? Go on. So it's a very middle of May, spring has sprung um, query that I've got, but how do you catch a spider on a curtain? <laughs> How do you catch a spider on it? Is this a punchline for a terrible joke? No, no, or is this a genuine fear? I'll tell you a bit of context and I'll, only, I'll wrap it up quickly. But I'm the spider catcher inside our house because we're all a bit, little bit kind of, you know, squeamish or whatever. Standard thing spider on a wall, pint glass, a little bit of cardboard, trap him, get him, the, slide the cardboard in, drop him out the window or take him to the front door or whatever. But on a curtain, you haven't got a firm platform again. <laughs> so what happened the other night, my daughter comes down, oh, Dad, Dad, there's a big spider in my room. Where is it? It's on the curtain. I'm like, oh, we've done this before, haven't we? We've, 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 we've had this game before. Try to get him. Escapes me because I haven't got anywhere to pin him. Don't know where he ends up in my daughter's room. She needs to tidy the thing anyway. Don't know where he ends up. So she slept downstairs for the last couple of days. And sorry, mate, I know you're busy. <laughs> she slept downstairs. But what do I, I mean? Listen, two questions. How did you catch a spider on a curtain? Number one, <laughs> in a humane way. And number two, should I 
because she won't she won't go back in her room until she's seen evidence this spider is caught. Now I'm not going to find him because all of her clothes and all of her stuff's all over the floor. Do I con my own daughter by getting another spider, <laughs> sticking him in the glass, and saying I've got him? Always the danger that he escapes in there. They all start breathing. <laughs> Am I overthinking it? No, she'll have trust issues for the rest of her life, Matt. Seriously, I've well, been, I mean, I have horrendous arachnophobia, and if that happened to me, I'd be downstairs and I'd need proof as well. Seriously, my my question there is, where do you get another spider from? You're just going. Oh, do I get another spider from somewhere? Where? I don't think they're quite. An, I don't think they're quite an endangered species, are they? Spiders? <laughs> no, but you're just like, oh, I'll just go and get myself. What have you got? Multiple spiders in the house at any one time. Oh, I'll go and get one from the bathroom instead. Oh, I think that's a bizarre, a bizarre series of events to go and find another spider. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you'll keep mentioning a humane way. People in the comments saying just find a Hoover. And, and suck it off the curtain next time. <laughs> I'm not going to suck it off. No way. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you want more top quality Aston Villa content, come to Clown Blue Live on June the 1st. <laughs> Tickets are available in the description below for our end of season review, plus other nonsense, very clearly. <laughs> um, we'll be raising money for charity as always. Um, I think we're doing 50% between acorns and cure leukemia. We're doing an end of season review, a QA and a with those that are coming along, and we'll crown our player awards player of the season, goal of the season, those kind of things. Tickets are free. It's at Hockley Social Club on June the 1st. As I said, the tickets link is in the description below, so come and join us. There's over 200 people coming, so no pressure, Matt, for <laughs> delivering a quality show with the last five so minutes of this my podcast. Dad's, my dad's coming, I've told you. Oh, is he? Nice. So I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to tone, it, tone it all down, I think. I'm just going to sit oh. there. Yeah, I'm going sit, to sit there, show up the corner, because I don't want to embarrass me, Dad. How many How many people are coming, did you say, mister? It's over 200 now. All right. <laughs> well, we've sold that brilliantly there, John. You're nervous about the size and you're going to shrink into yourself, Matt, because your dad's there. It'll be good, though. Yeah, Food's right. Good. Food's good, yeah. Beer's good. Anyway, that's it for this show. We've rambled. Um, please do come and see us, though. We appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for watching this show. Um, Matt, if you can stick an update on Twitter for the spider problem, that'd be nice. I'm sure people are dying to know how you deal with that issue. Um, John, thanks for joining me. As always, we'll do some more content in the week as we lead up to Liverpool uh, next Saturday. Big, big game. The European fight continues for one more week at least. I'm off to watch Eurovision and eat some food. Matt, thanks for joining me. John, likewise, thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you soon after this funky music. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Yeah.